This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. Welcome to the new era. The Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast, Wednesday, February 17th. J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and Bucky Brooks, and plenty to get to, including Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer setting the tone at the Trevor Lawrence Pro Day. The Jags trying to move on from the Chris Doyle fallout, and then some additions in the player personnel department. We'll get to those coming up. And our weekly look at a few pending free agents, and one that's already a free agent, somewhat unexpectedly we'll continue our look at that coming up remember to subscribe to the official jaguars podcast network on apple itunes or wherever you get your podcast and give us five stars welcome in and uh, hey guys what's up uh, bucky you know how about this teal stuff right the jaguars twitter handle Mm -hmm. had these cryptic messages the last couple of days spelled out teal primary and now they've got to get twenty-one thousand retweets to make teal the primary color you wore teal a lot when you played here, Bucky. Yeah, I look. It, I, I kind of woke up to the message. I was like, "Oh, going to turn back the clock and make teal the primary." I, I, I'm be honest with you. I really didn't know teal wasn't the primary color. I just thought it was kind of like thrown away. I didn't know black had supplanted teal as the color. But I like the teal. I think the teal is 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 a nice look. I think it was unique and different. But the uniform is so clean that I don't know if it necessarily matters. There's a time where I kind of like the all black. I mean, it's a lot of flexibility, but if we want to make Teal the primary, I'm okay with it. I'll retweet it. I'll find a way to retweet it after the pod. Appreciate that, Bucky. And uh, John, I know you are a fan of the okra or the mustard, as some people (laughs) call it. You know, I'm the guy. I like the, I did like the gold rush uniforms. I, I was all for it, Bucky. Unfortunately for mankind, there is a picture somewhere of me in the gold rush uniform. In the all mustard. And as you can imagine, you cannot unsee that. You can't unsee I am that. looking buff, as the kids say. So it's it's uh, I'm fine with it. JP, you know me. I, I'm not a mammoth uniforms guy. I guess I just never, you know. Some of my friends are obsessed with it. They can name every uniform. You know, they can rank uniforms across the league. I guess I'm fine with the teal. I, I you know, I sort of like. I didn't mind the two tone helmets. I mean, I, I, it's just not a passion of mine. The uniform thing. But I do know this, the fans who write the ozone mailbag, the fans who are passionate about it, mm-hmm. great majority of them love the teal. So you know what? After what this fan base has been through, if they want teal, give them some teal, JP. If, yeah. if this team wore pink and blue polka dots, as long as they're in the playoffs, I really don't care. <laughs> yeah, nice to that. No nice. offense to polka dots, but hey. Uh, let's get to our first big story of the day, and it's the Trevor Lawrence Pro Day. Yes, I know it happened this past Friday, but it's still causing storylines around Jacksonville and around the NFL. And apparently, guys, Urban Meyer gave him options. One of those was wait until March 11th for the Pro Day at Clemson, but the recovery time of the shoulder issue would have been pushed back. Two, don't throw. He's a good enough player to be able to do that. Or three, grab the ball and throw a bit. And the coordinator and passing game coordinator wanted to see you. And apparently Trevor Lawrence said, let's go, which is a good sign, Bucky. And he went all right. He looked pretty good. He absolutely looked good. I think the best thing about Trevor Lawrence, we can talk about the on-field performance. All that was terrific. But the reports coming out about what he did and the way he interacted and engaged with all of the personnel that was there. Uh, the reports about him going and fist bumping everyone that came, all the NFL personnel, um, Clemson staffers talking about, man, the kid just gets it. 
He just gets the responsibilities that come along with being the franchise quarterback. He has understood it. He has welcomed and embraced it. And he has a level of maturity where he thrives with all those responsibilities on his shoulders. On the field, I, mean, I don't know how much more we were going to gain by watching him throw, but he throws it pretty I mean, he throws it pretty well. Uh, Steve Smith Jr., who was on the call, just talked about how he throws a catchable ball, meaning it's not always the fastball. He throws the change and the curve. He, he'll vary it up depending on what is needed. And I think that is a nice sign for the playmakers that are on the perimeter. And you're Urban Meyer. You have the ability to kind of coax him into performing because your offensive coordinator and your quarterback coach would be the first time that they see it. Uh, I think it bowls well. I think that – I mean, we'll talk about Urban flexing. Uh, that certainly was Urban kind of letting the league know, um, hey, man, it's the big show. I'm the big cheese. <laughs> and here's the quarterback coming yeah. along. I'm sure, John, if, if, if uh, Trevor's over there giving fist bumps to the other NFL personnel guys, he's probably saying, hey, enjoy the SO Club lunch. Thanks for coming down. <laughs> I'm going to Jacksonville, right, John? I mean, that's kind of the feeling we got, especially with Urban standing in the middle of the field. Yeah. And I guess I took it more as not necessarily Urban, you know, laying down three choices for Trevor, but more I took it that they've talked a few times and it sort of came up in the conversation. I don't think Urban was trying to intimidate Trevor into doing one thing or the other, but I do think it's significant that they're talking and having Zoom calls and, and there's dialogue. I'm wondering from Bucky on this, do you think there was any – with Urban standing so close and so much has been made, I mean, this has become like the is Paul dead stuff with the Beatles back in the sixties. Everybody's just picking apart the entire, you know, uh, pro day looking for signs, but was there anything to him standing there so close trying to create a little urgency for Trevor, trying to see how he would perform with him that close, or was it just him talking to Dabo about the weather? Oh, no, no, no. I think all this by design. I think all this was about setting the tone and creating the culture. I think Urban knew that cameras were on him, that this was going to be broadcast not only everywhere, but in every NFL building. And I, I think he was trying to create the visual of, I'm coaching my player. I'm coaching the franchise quarterback. Let's start the tone right now. I thought it was very interesting in the interview. He talked about the three choices that he gave Trevor and you know, how you just kind of talked about competing. And I think you can see competition being very central to the theme and the fact that Trevor quickly embraced it. I mean, regardless of what agents and quarterback coaches, whatever, at the end of the day, he appealed to the competitiveness of the kid. And obviously we've been around great quarterbacks enough to know that as the quarterback goes, the rest of the franchise goes. And if he is in lockstep, with how Urban thinks about the game and winning and competitiveness, you know everyone else is going to fall in line. And so I think it was really great that they were able to kind of create that chemistry and synergy right away. I think it bowls well going forward. You know, I think too, JP, that's significant is, and uh, Bucky can probably speak to this more than me. He's been to more pro days than me, but I've been to a few with quarterbacks and so have you, JP. Sometimes they feel like the guy has been training for them forever, meaning you know, we, we went to Bortles a few years ago. It's been, well, seven years ago now. They talked about how much he had trained for it and how much he had worked at it. He had worked with Jordan Palmer, who was also Trevor Lawrence's guy. This, to me, Bucky, was the NFL equivalent of Trevor woke up one morning and his mom said, hey, you got to go throw. Because there was almost no preparation for this. And he's, 
he has bed head and he walks out and he throws a few passes. He looks great, but there really was an element of, mm-hmm. look, I don't need to prepare for this. This is what I do. Yeah. And I don't need five weeks to prepare for it. I can go throw at Disney world and look good if you want me to coach. Yeah. I, I, I think there was something to it. I actually think it, it was great for him to do it. I'm, I, I know he had only worked with Jordan maybe two weeks before this and before everything comes out and he gets in and kind of rips it. And I think it was very pure as, as pure as a pro day can get. Good word. Yeah. I think, I think the way that you said it where, Hey man, he just woke up, kind of rolled out of the bed, went to the high school field, grabbed a couple of his fellas and tossed the ball all over the yard. That, that is exactly what it felt like. And I also think it speaks volumes to him that I didn't feel like it was a show or a production. I felt like he went out there, I'm going to throw, he was originally just scheduled to throw 30 passes. He ended up throwing 52. I'm going to throw it around a little bit. You can see what it is, but it's not a, the music blaring, look at me, look at me spin around and do these things. I'm doing things that I would normally do if I'm working out. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't, but this is who I am. You know what it was? Hey coach, you want me to throw? I'll throw. What's next? Okay. (laughs) What's for lunch? Cool. Cool. And President Bush wasn't there. You know, there was yeah. no Drake wasn't blaring to your point, Bucky. That was the Johnny Manziel scene. No helmets on, no oh, shoulder pads. Right. Hey on. man, I'm I'm just, I'm just gonna throw it. I think the one thing because we talk about not having pads on, he was just a little lighter than I anticipated. Ah. 213 pounds. Ah. Um, I think that would be the one thing that you're like, oh man, that's that's a little light for him. But then I also wonder when did he suffer the injury? How long ago? Like how long does that, how far back does that go? Because did that impact his ability to get in the weight room and do some of the normal training that he would do? JP Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osher, the Huddle Up podcast. They're still going to do due diligence on the other guys though, right? I mean, it's not like they're turning in the card today. They have to go look at him, but he may not be standing in the middle of the field in Columbus, I guess. I mean, mean, it's it's, it's the bachelors. So those guys will have an opportunity to have their um, hometown date, but I don't think that any of those guys will get the rose. I think the rose is designated for Trevor Lawrence. So you've been watching The Bachelor, it sounds like. <laughs> I might have watched it a few times. <laughs> <laughs> were you uh, forced Were you forced to watch? <laughs> I might have watched. My, my daughter and I might have might have tuned in and watched a couple seasons. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Plural. Uh, let's, let's move along. We could talk about Trevor all before the draft. We've got plenty of time to do that. But let's move along to the staff additions. And obviously the the big news that was the same day of the Trevor Lawrence throwing session was the fallout of the Chris Doyle announcement and then his resignation. You know, I I get why Urban Meyer wanted him on staff. From 2000 through the 2020 draft, Iowa put out 75 draft picks through that system. And he was involved in all those guys, obviously. So they have a track record of putting players in the NFL, big guys up front, especially out of Iowa. We get that. So I get why. But when the announcement comes down from Fritz Pollard Alliance and all that, you had an idea that this thing probably wasn't going to last too long. And Bucky, they just they pulled the plug on it. He resigned. And now it's time to move on. Yeah, now it's time to move on. And I think understanding the why, why originally he was brought on. You brought it. 75 draft picks but not only 75 draft picks because of their talent but the way Iowa develops their players and so if you think about Urban stepping into this Jacksonville Jaguars rebuild it's about creating a culture and a developmental process to get the team to the next level 
having watched Chris Doyle, I will say this, regardless of whether he's a jerk or not and all the mistreatment and those things, you cannot deny that what he has been able to do in the weight room has helped Iowa produce players and play at a high level. Urban was attracted to that part of it. I want this team to develop. I want the big guys in particular in the trenches to develop and, and be able to play at a high level. And so he was banking on that. Well, now that you made the move, he's resigned, he's no longer there. I think the big thing is, okay, what's next? What's the next, um, what is the direction to go when it comes to that sports performance? Because Urban, and we have to hold him because I, I saw it in your thing. He said he's committed to having the best sports performance staff in the National Football League. And so he was trying to do that in terms of the best developers, the, the best dietitians, nutritionists, whatever it is to really help the players. Well, what's next? Who is the person that leads the charge um, in that department? Yeah, and JP, I, I've talked so much about this the last couple of days. I'm not sure I have that much more to say. Right. But I do agree with Bucky that this was not about Urban trying to flaunt some concept or, 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 or trying to ignore some issue you know, and you know i didn't word that that well but you know what i'm talking about right he was not tone deaf to what the issues are in the country i don't think i think it was really more of look a i believe this guy is the best and b he does have a track record throughout his career of second chances to many many people so it, it sort of fits his philosophy and you know it didn't work out it didn't happen but I never got the idea that it was a matter of, of just absolutely wanting to ignore anything that was going on. It was far more about what he is as a second chance person and as a person who believes in trying to have the best possible people around him. And you know, so uh, where they go from here, I don't know. But I do believe in listening to his press conference on Thursday that sports performance, injury prevention, all of those things he believed that Chris Doyle was the right guy. So that's, you know, I'm not sure how much more I have to say on that, but that's sort of what I believed about the whole situation. So we'll see what, ne- what is next over the next few weeks. I'm sure at some point Urban will make a move, if he hasn't already, that we don't already know about in that department. You know how that goes sometimes. Now, let's, there's been some additions on the personnel side as well. Uh, Trent Balky's been a busy man, adding some names to that side of the hallway. Tom Gamble, senior personnel executive. Michael Davis added, a senior personnel executive, was with Balky at the Jets, and he'll focus on college prospects. Trip McCracken, the director of roster management, 18 years in the NFL. He's the lead contract negotiator. He has been in his past. That'll likely be his role here. And Drew Hughes, a player personnel coordinator, uh, he's been a recruiting coordinator for three different SEC schools. What do you know about any of these guys, Bucky? No, really good staff that they're putting together. So Gamble has always has been with Bucky a few different stops. I think they were together in San Francisco. Maybe I know he was there when Chip Kelly was there. So, yeah. So Gamble is a guy who um, is his right-hand man, a trusted confidant when it comes to building the team and division. Mike Davis, I know really well. He and Trent work together with the Jets. He's been a longtime scout. He will handle a lot of the college stuff. And so as they're trying to blend this staff with what is already there, particularly during this draft, Trent wants to make sure that he has enough of his quote-unquote guys in to make sure that the players and the scouting evaluation is kind of done through the way his lens, through the lens that he has always viewed football, obviously with, uh, Urban Meyer's input, but 
that's what he's assembling. And so he's trying to bring about guys who kind of see the game as he sees it. And remember, when Trent was with the New York Jets, uh, that's a Bill Parcells deal. Mike Davis, Bill Parcells deal. So there's a level of toughness and grit in those things that they're trying to make sure that all these players have. And so that's what they're putting together. And I think, um, you know, with, with Trip McCracken doing the cap, he obviously will handle negotiations. And then when you talk about the coordinator position, it's tying it all together. And so I think you're seeing a mix of Trent's guys with urban guys as they're trying to blend this department together. So everyone has the trust that they need to have with the people that are working in the building. JP, I'll leave uh, the breakdown of the staff to Bucky, but I do have one uh, quick because he knows far more in depth about scouts in this league than I do. The question I had for you, Bucky, the process that they're going through now, when you bring in personnel people, everybody involved with the Jaguars personnel, the people who were here here before, and these people, they obviously know how to scout. But how big of a process it is to, A, learn the language that everybody speaks, because different staffs come from different backgrounds and how to translate what you want, and then how to translate – that over to how do we find an Urban Meyer kind of player? And I'm not asking the question very well, but I think you know what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. How long a process is it to mesh? How much of a language barrier, if you will? Uh, what will that process look like as they go forward? You know, that's a really, really interesting question. It's one of those things where I wish I could sit in the meeting just in the back room and just kind of see what the conversations are like with Urban, Balky, and their respective staffs. I think at some point, You have to get everyone in the same room, coaches, scouts, and you almost have to go down each position and be able to clearly define what it is that you're looking for at that position. Not only um, the playing specifics in terms of how they play, scheme fit and those things, but what are the core characteristics? We used to call them critical factors. What are the things that everybody has to have from an intangible standpoint? We want these kind of guys when it comes to character, football character, moral character. We want these kind of guys when it comes to their overall toughness, whether it's injury history and those things. We want these kind of guys when it comes to leadership and the ability to blend into the cultural the, as cultural fits. Mm-hmm. All of those things have to be defined. I would anticipate that Urban takes the lead on that, but because he's still a little new to the NFL Balky would kind of fill in the gaps when it comes to those things. But that takes two, three years to fully get everybody on the same page, seeing it and evaluating it and making those decisions off of that. And so we'll see how it goes. It's just one of those things that's a work in process. I will say this. Normally, you don't see this much personnel change until after the draft. Right. The fact that they're bringing in so many guys now. I mean, we named off, what, four or five guys? You normally don't see that in the personnel department now. So I don't know what that means for the holdovers, but Trent Balky and Urban Meyer are certainly putting their stamp on what the personnel department, the front office is going to look like going forward. All right. It's the Huddle Up podcast, J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osher, and somebody's dog in the background. I, I'm not that sure. Is, that, is, that is Sunday. That is Sunday. <laughs> Sunday is letting it be known that she wants to be a part of the process and so she's she's just barking away i, I maybe bring her in bring maybe her in, in. <laughs> bring, she can join next week huddle up sunday 
Come on in. Uh, head coach Urban Meyer is locked in and ready to deliver a championship to Northeast Florida. Don't miss your chance to be at the bank this fall and watch history in the making. You can lock in your tickets for the 2021 season by placing a deposit at Jaguars.com. Limited lower bowl tickets are remaining. Call 904-633-2000 today and learn more. And remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars. We've also added a Jaguars reporters podcast on Monday. Now that will air Brian and Ashlyn join John and I, and so hope you'll subscribe and check that out each Monday. Of course, drive time on Tuesdays, this on Wednesdays, happy hour, Thursday, the week in review Friday ozone podcast, whenever he does that, there's a lot going on these days. On Jaguars.com. Now, I'm, I, I left out Ryan Stamper, by the way. He was added to the staff this week. And former player at Florida. He's from right here in Jacksonville. Played for the Gators. Was on the staff at Ohio State for eight years, working along with Urban in that time there as a player development guy. This is one. Marcus Pollard's still on staff here. And I'm sure those guys will be working hand-in-hand, John. It feels like that's a similar type role and what Marcus has been doing the last few years here. Yeah, it seems like it. I don't know much about how that department will mesh. I do know Marcus, you know, I think he's done a great job on that front. I know he has had assistance in the past, so I assume that will mesh in that way. Uh, beyond that, I, I have to plead ignorance. I, I don't know much about how that is going to work. Yeah, that's an interesting deal. I will say in studying Ohio State, one of the things that Urban Meyer has always taken pride in is how his guys developed away from the field. When you listen to him, you listen to him talk. He's always talked about if you just come to Ohio State to be a football player, like that's not what it is. It's about being able to put yourself in a position to get a job, to have an outstanding career and do those things. So in thinking about how you move that up to the National Football League, the player engagement program, one of the things that you can do Uh, We've talked off air about how can you keep the players around the city uh, 365? Well, what you do is you really build out that player engagement program where players are not only getting what they need to do to become better players, but you're setting them up for life after. So extending the connections in the community so they can do internship programs, they can do continuing education to get their degrees or master degrees and those things. And so Marcus Pollitt has always done that. But I know that Urban really believes in what they did and what they established at Florida and Ohio State. So I would expect this to be a a, a meshing of those philosophies. He wants someone that he trusts, that he knows, someone that knows what it looks like around. And so I think that's why you saw the move made. Stamper went to First Coast High School here in Jacksonville, so has some uh, deep roots in this community for sure. Now time for our weekly look at free agency. We are now five weeks away from the start. Four weeks away. Wait a minute. I lost a week. We're four weeks away from the start of the league year and the opening of free agency 2021. So we will pick each week a few names and banter them about. These might be a little far-fetched this week, but they're big names and they're topics of conversation. Let's start with a guy who's already a free agent, who's already talking to another team in the division, who has wrecked this franchise his entire career. And of course, I'm talking about J.J. Watt. He has been cut by the Houston Texans. He is a free agent right now. He's talked to the Titans, apparently. There's a lot of names out there, Bucky. Uh, You need a strong side defensive end, right? Yeah, he he certainly would be the elder statesman that you look for. Now, I would say he's a better player than this guy, but he would be very similar to what Calais Campbell was able to offer when he came over. Uh, Calais came over, has some leadership leadership skills and tangible qualities for a defense that was – 
uh, young and boisterous. So he was kind of the elder statement to maybe kind of rein everybody in. I think J.J. Watt could offer that. Um, he's declining as a player. He is a guy who is more of a spot-dominant player than a, a, a guy who can dominate for the entire game. And so I don't know if Jacksonville is the right situation for him, and nor I don't know if Jacksonville would look at a 32-year-old guy as part of a rebuild. But he certainly has some qualities that you look for because I think in terms of turning around – and reestablishing a culture, he understands how to work hard and do some of those things. I will say Calais tried to, to rein everybody in, but that was like herding cats. That was like herding cats on that hard. defense. That's it's tough hard. to do. It's kind of hard. A lot of guys. Well, <laughs> and I'll say this, Buck. You know, I don't know that whatever J.J. Watt brings to a team next year, it's going to be more than what Calais brought here in 2017. I mean, he should have been <laughs> defensive player of the year. Yeah. Uh, and Played great. You know, may have been defensive player of the year that year. Uh he was as good as any defensive player I've covered during that year. So, but I agree with you. I wouldn't mind the JJ Watt signing uh, in theory. You do wonder though about what you said. Would he want to come to a team that he wouldn't perceive yet as a contender? I think most veterans are going to perceive this as being a year away because you're one fifteen. And secondly, three of the last four years, injuries for JJ Watt, mm-hmm. not nearly the player he was maybe in year four, five, and six for him. So would that make sense right now for this franchise? J.J. Watt would always make sense. But would it be a heavy pursuit type situation where you sold out the way they did for Calais in 2017? My guess is not. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I don't. I, th- I think if you're doing the rebuild, you want to rebuild it from the ground up. You want to do it with some younger guys or you want to do it with some, some vets five, six years in like a, a Shaquille Bear would be more of a a, a, a fit in terms yeah. of just being young and establishing those things. You a know? bonus yeah, name. Yeah, I like Shaquille Barrett idea. A bonus name, Shaquille Barrett. I mean, just a up. bonus name. Well, I mean, but now you got you to gotta, you gotta spend a lot of yellow cake. Now, that's a lot of cake that he is. <laughs> like the franchise tag was 15, 15, 8. I mean, that's a lot of yellow cake and chocolate <laughs> icing. Like you to bring him over. I don't know. You knew that. You know, you know, there's a name on that list that's interesting. I'm, I'm all off script, but Yannick Ngakwe is out there again. Uh, he is. <laughs> I don't think he's coming he's back. He's out there. <laughs> he's out there, but I don't think he's coming back. But I just think it's interesting. He's out. He's all out again, you know. Thank you, Bucky. Let's move along. Patrick Peterson is next on our list today. Mm. Speaking of veterans and guys who've played at a high level, he's 31 years old. Do they have a salty vet in the secondary to lean on? DJ Hayden's a free agent coming up. How do you feel about Patrick Peterson? I like Patrick Peterson if Patrick Peterson moves inside to play safety. Mm-hmm. I don't like Patrick Peterson uh, anymore outside. I want to say he had 14 flags where he was penalized 14 times. It was converted 10 times. A lot of penalties on the outside because he's dis- diminishing in terms of as his athleticism. But his IQ, his experience, he certainly could help C.J. Henderson while he's on the field teaching him how to be a great pro. Uh, I'll be intrigued if he can move to safety. I just don't know if that's in the cards for him down in Jacksonville. Is that an odd move, Buck? Um, guys have moved to safety, obviously, in their career. Is it trickier to do that when you're moving teams or not? Or does that I matter? I don't think it's trickier if he's moving teams. I, I, I think a lot of it is his connection with the secondary coach. And if the secondary coach can teach him how to do it. I would do the selling thing if I'm urban or whatever. I am – thinking about the Malcolm Jenkins thing. Malcolm did it very early in his career where he moved from corner to safety, but 
Look at how long Malcolm has been able to play. Patrick has to make a decision. How long do I want to play this game? And if I want to extend my career, it would be by moving inside. We've seen very decorated corners move inside. Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, some of those guys. Can he move inside and get reinvigorated by the change and moving inside and doing some different things for maybe an up-and-coming franchise? I think he would be worth making the call. I don't know how much interest he is going to garner on the open market at corner, but maybe you can sell him on, hey, this is an opportunity for you to lead the room, show us how to win, take some of the experience that you've had, and show these young corners how to play the game at a high level. What kind of guy is he, Buck? I've, I've never covered him. Is he the kind of guy who could embrace that? I think so. I think he's a great guy. I think um, you have to understand, man, this, this is a guy who is, is really comes from a good fabric, a good pedigree. He's very, very smart on and off the field. He's done a lot of good things. I think he would embrace the elder statesman role in terms of the leadership ability. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I think he has Florida roots. He might be from Florida somewhere down there. I think he is a Florida guy. Uh, it might give him an opportunity to get back to get closer to where it all started for him. Gotcha. The, the final name, bear with me on this one, because I know it will never happen for the Jacksonville Jaguars. In fact, if I had a full head of hair tomorrow, I wouldn't be more surprised if, if this next player was playing here, right? But it's, the, it's one of the big names in this offseason. Dak Prescott, quarterback, Ooh. Dallas Cowboys. I know it's not going to happen here. What in the world's going to happen with Dak Prescott? Ooh, this is an interesting. This is an interesting one because this has been a back and forth for maybe three years. The Dallas Cowboys should have locked Dak Prescott up early. They could have had him at a very affordable mm-hmm. place. They could have had him in the mid twenties, maybe thirty at the max. Well, now they're sitting in a situation where he's on his second tag. That tag would be a little north of a thirty-seven million dollars. And if they tag him again with the forty-four percent kicker, that puts him at fifty-four. <laughs> 54 million on year three of the tag. So here, here's the thing, JP. So they offered him a deal where it would have had 105 in guarantees. If he plays on three straight tags, he would make $122 million before hitting the open market. Uh, He has all the cards. I know on the other side, it seems like the Cowboys like, Oh, he's coming off the injury. What is he going to do? They don't pick up the phone until you start talking about $40 million annually. So he, he, he can do it however he wants to do it. But whatever it looks like at the end of the day, someone is going to pay him a lot of money. And the Cowboys could do it. But if they don't do it, somebody else is going to pay a bunch of money. Yeah. I, I... Oh, we lost John. Oh, we lost, we lost John. John. John was about we'll to drop it. something profound. And I know. it was so profound. The football guy said, oh, wait a minute. Save that. The internet can't <laughs> handle this. So we'll get John back in a moment. We'll continue on the Huddle Up podcast here, though. By the way, Patrick Peterson's from Pompano Beach. Down yes. South. Down okay. South. Good call right. on that. Yeah. Of course, went to LSU, one of the great players in that school's history. And John Osher is jumping back in now. The magic of podcasting uh, on this Huddle Up podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osher is back with us. And your comment was about to be so epic that the Internet couldn't hold it, John. Well, yeah, it's quite a comment. I can't see paying Dak Prescott that much. I like him as a quarterback. I'm with Bucky, though. In this environment right now, somebody will. But, boy, for a guy who I think is very, very good but not elite, it just shows you where the market has gone. How many, how many playoff wins? Oh, zero. Uh, now, yeah. you know, there's a faction of the Twitterverse that would tell you that quarterback wins are not a stat. 
He'll say it when it's negotiation time. He'll say his regular season record's pretty good. Yeah, I'm in that faction. Uh, to me, if a quarterback gets you there, gets you to the playoffs, you know, I'm fine with that, especially considering what Dallas did without him. Uh, I, I think he's really, really good and really important to that franchise. But boy, is that going to do a number on your cap? But that's it's not my problem. It is, it's not my it is, problem. It is it is going to do a number. I would say that the Cowboys are being penalized for going backwards when it comes to the process. They decided to pay the running back and the wide receiver before the quarterback. Well, in in, in whatever football landscape that doesn't typically make sense, but here they are, and because they misplayed it, I mean the consequences are. I mean, it's severe because either you pay him or you don't pay him. And after watching them play without him, it is a huge difference when he is not on the field for them. But those are the names we got to today. Yeah. Appreciate you guys delving into that. So, John, what do you got coming up this week on the site? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I will be <laughs> speaking to uh, Charlie Strong for an Ozone podcast. What I cannot reveal yet because I don't know yet is exactly what day that will run. But we'll put it out on social, make sure people know about it. I'm looking forward. I, I have not spoken to Charlie Strong in about 28 years. I'm sure mm. he remembers me fondly, as most people do. He was an assistant at Florida when I was covering the University of Florida long before I knew a young Bucky Brooks who led the Jaguars to the 1996 AFC Championship game. Wow. I'm excited <laughs> about the Charlie Strong deal. Yeah. Just haven't read his comments. He just talked about how yeah, he and good man. are in lockstep, and they've had a lot of success together. And so with him being – Urban's number two. He's going to have a lot of responsibilities as both of those guys learn a new league. But I will say the defense, if it if, if the defense can play anything like those Florida defenses played when they were together, man, look out. Good things happen. You know, they had some good players down there in those times for sure. Bucky, what about you? What do you got coming up this week? More mock drafts, more path to the draft, move the sticks, all I the mean, above. More, yeah, more silliness, more silliness <laughs> when it comes to mock drafts. I think the big thing, I uh, just finished top five by position list for the 2021 draft class. A lot of intriguing names, a lot of positions and players of interest, particularly for the Jags. And so we'll put that out. A lot, of, a lot of tape grinding over over the course of the weekend. But, yeah, we're good. It's grind mode for Bucky Brooks these days leading into the NFL draft. Uh, John Ozier, senior writer, Jaguars.com. Bucky Brooks, NFL media analyst. I'm J.P. Shadrick, and we will huddle up again next Wednesday. <laughs>